It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a hump day edition of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty along with Al Whedon in the building, my MCPSS television partner and Michael Bronner on vacation this week so we're hoping that he's really enjoying time with his friends and family but excited to have my man al whedon in the building with me for the final drive Corley bounty i'm in the building with you my brother how you doing today man man i'm absolutely too blessed to be stressed got plenty going on here and we're going to start off by letting everybody know tomorrow on the final drive, we will have John Harbaugh, the head football coach of the Baltimore Ravens, joining Nick Wiggins and myself. It will be 3.30 where you'll be able to catch that interview with John Harbaugh. Of course, he's coming down here to Mobile, Alabama next week in support of the Team Focus Banquet that's going to be Tuesday, May 16th. The 6.30 dinner, you're able to go ahead and buy and purchase tickets and tables to get an opportunity to listen to Coach John Harbaugh. And Kevin Steele, wow. the defensive coordinator for the University of Alabama, will also be at this team focus banquet next Tuesday, May 16th at the Mobile Convention Center. Of course, again, tomorrow, John Harbaugh joining us at 3.30. Nick Wiggins and I will get an opportunity to talk to him. And it will be probably a lot about the schedule, Lamar Jackson, his time, his brotherhood bond, all and that. all that and more. But, of course, the NFL schedule did semi come out today. Officially, it will be dropped tomorrow. But they gave us some international teasers uh, yeah. today. I, I know you're happy, Curly Bounty, because uh, your favorite team uh, was released with two games today, my brother. So I know you're super excited. The Miami Dolphins <laughs> getting it done. And when you look at this schedule that came out, one of the ones that really will start everything off in London, of course, October 1st, Nick Wiggins and his Atlanta Falcons take on the Jacksonville Jaguars in London. And they're just going to make a basically two weeks out of it over right. in London as the Jaguars take on the Buffalo Bills the following week. So it's very rare to see teams travel internationally and stay over there for a couple of weeks. But if you're going to go across the pond, you might as well go ahead and stay there for a couple of weeks. Falcons, Jaguars on the 1st of October and on the 8th, the Jaguars host the Bills. And, and that is not bad at all. Uh, finally, the NFL is going to give Europe some, uh, as we'll call them, way above average quarterback play, if you know what I'm saying. You're going to have Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence going to be there, Tua's going to be there as well. So uh, the European fans will get a taste of what we get every week here in the States, Corey. We mentioned Coach Harbaugh's schedule. The Ravens will be playing the Titans also. And, again, back-to-back -back games for Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars across in London. And then you look at November 5th. This is a matchup 
the day before my birthday, a lot of NFL <laughs> fans are going to be excited to see the Dolphins taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. This one's going to be at Frankfurt Stadium. And the following week, you have the Colts and the Patriots on November 12th. So those two games in Germany with the Dolphins and the Chiefs, yeah. if my man Tua can stay healthy Correct. at that point in time, a month and a half into the season, the Dolphins and the Chiefs fans are going to get a treat when they go over to Germany. I mean, what's up, Mahomes? I mean, the most exciting quarterback you have in the NFL, reigning Super Bowl champs. And uh, they have a nice little nugget later on in the season. I believe the uh, the Chiefs are going to have a nice game coming up on New Year's Eve, I believe. They're, they're featured in a lot of games, yep. of course, when you do have someone like Patrick Mahomes. There, there's a lot of excitement that he brings across that pond and – the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts going to be traveling to the Giants on Christmas Day. That was officially released. The NFL going to have three games. I don't have a problem. On Christmas Day. I don't have a problem. Normally reserved for the NBA, but anytime you can mix up college football in that same vicinity as NFL football and NBA action, right. you can't go wrong you with those matchups, especially Philly at the Giants. Christmas Day and the other two matchups, they'll be named and dropped tomorrow. So just a lot of excitement with the NFL schedule getting ready to come out. Of course, we talked to Jalen Wayne on yesterday, going to try to make that Buffalo Bills roster. That'll be huge. That'll and be if huge. he's able to do that, he'll find himself again in England on the 8th. And the NFL and the matchups that they try to create, you know, you love to see Tua and Mahomes, of course. Oh, yeah. But the Colts, maybe Richardson will be settled in, and we'll see if Mac Jones on the 12th can hold his own. And uh, offensively, the fireworks that you should see between the Dolphins and the Chiefs, my money again, I'm, I'm a pro <laughs> Tua. I'm pro Dolphins, Dolphins, of course. Uh, oh, yeah. a, so, so, of course, I'm going to have to go with what Tua – and, but that's what you want to see. You want to see Mahomes and Tua face-to-face, toe-to-toe, and that's what you'll see on November 5th. And, and you want Tua to be healthy. We know uh, this past season with the concussions that he suffered, and, and a, lot of, a lot of experts or analysts are saying he could be just one concussion away, possibly, from uh, you know hanging it up. He even alluded to retirement. He talked about it with his family during the offseason as well. So you want Tua to be healthy, but I'm excited because the NFL had such a great turnout, such a great reception in Germany. They're going to get two games in Germany this year, uh, and to to take Mahomes, the world champs over there, against Tua, one of the you know, want to call it up and rising stars, and, and we know. The Dolphins were flying high. You, I mean, Corey, you and I doing high school football, you were smiling every Friday because the Dolphins were doing well. And then, you know, Tua went through a couple hits <laughs> here and there. And you was like, look, man, you know. Uh, <laughs> but if he can stay healthy, that, that looks to be a really great matchup. It's going to be fun just to see when you are healthy. Trevor Lawrence yeah. and his leadership ability of what he was able to do for a franchise that was in the dumps to be able to spend two weeks over in London. I'm looking forward to seeing him and Desmond Ritter get after it on the October the 1st because the Falcons, the way that they traded up for Robinson, That's true. we'll see if he's a for factor Bijan, yeah. on October 1st. And I, I just love 
You mentioned that you love the fact that the NFL is going to play three games on Christmas Day. I love it. And for the average fan, I think when you look at whether whether they would rather see basketball on Christmas Day, NBA basketball, or NFL football, I think it's NFL football hands down. It's not even close as far as from a fan perspective what you would rather see because normally you get those quadruple headers that the NBA will run and they try to match up Steph versus LeBron or or Giannis versus Steph. They try to find that premier matchup. But when the NFL officially drops its schedule with the other two games that are going to be played on Christmas Day, I think the fans are the ones who win, regardless of where that game's being played. And this past Christmas, I can tell you personally, Corey, I was in Nashville. And Nashville had the, the, the snowstorm that went down, and, and they were shutting down parts of the city. They were basically, you know, taking certain parts of the city off the grid. So we were having rolling blackouts, and they delayed the Titans game that day. And I'm sitting at my, my wife's aunt's house like, oh, my goodness, man. But the excitement was still there because I knew the Titans were going to be on. I knew I was going to see some TV. I was in Nashville. I'm going to see some football. So the excitement was already there. And then I had a game after that one coming on. So the fact I could get back-to-back-to-back football, come on, you can't beat it, man. Can't beat it. My man Al Whedon is a Cowboys fan. And today on the show, Roman Harper scheduled to join us at 3.30 at 4 o'clock. We'll have the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham. 4.30, we'll have a Fox Sports correspondent covering the Cowboys. David Hellman will join us at 4.30. And, of course, Andy Kennedy will join us at 5 o'clock, taking UAB to a NIT championship pretty much one game or one win away from not only winning the NIT championship but finding himself in the NCAA tournament for the second consecutive year. And, of course, Barry Dunning Jr., McGill Tulin's own and mm-hmm. formerly of the Arkansas Razorbacks signing with UAB. So we'll have an opportunity to, to talk about that. But, Al, your, your Cowboys on Christmas Day, do you think that the NFL, if you had to just do a, a scheduling guess – not knowing, will the Cowboys be playing on Christmas Day well, as one of those marquee matches? You know they're going to get Thanksgiving, so that that's that's written, that's already down. They're going to get Thanksgiving. Um, I'm going to roll the dice and say they probably will not get Christmas Day. Um, they get Thanksgiving already. They're already featured on Thanksgiving every year. I would love it if they do, Corey, but I just my my gut tells me, you know. Gambling's been out there the past couple weeks, so, you know, we don't want (laughs) to talk too much about it. But if I had to roll the dice, I would say my Cowboys are probably not going to play on Christmas Day. Well, I think that we definitely see where the Ravens are going to be playing on the 15th. And it's cited to have John Harbaugh on the air tomorrow with us at 3.30. He'll be joining us to talk about the team focus banquet that he's coming down to be one of the keynote speakers of, along with Kevin Steele. The Ravens securing Lamar Jackson. I know that that is a huge weight off of his shoulders, knowing that he doesn't have to worry about his franchise quarterback or finding a future quarterback, because as long as Lamar stays healthy, do you think the Ravens can be a contender with Lamar and with the weapons that they're bringing him? I mean, they've they've added – OBJ, they've got Lamar in pocket. Um, it definitely raises the stakes for the Ravens. I'll put it to you that way. 
getting Lamar on the books and signed for this long-term deal right here, this situation, relieves a lot of pressure, Corley Bounty. <laughs> it really does because that, that was the missing piece moving forward for the Ravens. They had to get Lamar in. You know, they had franchise tagged him, but at the end of the day, so many people were saying, you know, you need to get an agent. Mama's not doing it for you. You can't handle it. And look what happens at the end of the day. They sign on the dotted line. They commit to each other. They say, we're going to make it work. We're going to make it happen. Like like a marriage. We're in this thing 50-50. Yeah. This ain't a 70-30. This ain't a 60-40 kind of love. So I think the Ravens are setting themselves up. He's an exciting player. But I will say this. Janet Jackson said it. What have you done for me lately? He, it, it, that's the key. I think that that's kind of – it goes back to where your Cowboys sit as well. Because yep. with the money that they're paying Dak Prescott, you saw Ezekiel Elliott get that huge contract. As soon as he got the contract, he just took it to the bank. Because Wasn't the same, LeBounty. It, and that, same. that hurts. But Jerry Jones has kind of talked about re possibly even re-signing Ezekiel Elliott. I think that once you let him go, you should part ways and let him move on. Absolutely, you should. As most of my close friends would tell you, you know, I'm I'm the, one of the main advocates saying the, the the owner should fire the GM for the Cowboys. First of all, that should be the first move right there. The owner should fire their GM and hire a GM because some of the moves that Jerry makes sometimes they're not even questionable, Corey. They're like, what are you doing, bro? We should have got off the Zeke deal last year, man. We should already have moved off of it. Look at what Pollard was doing. And then Pollard goes down, kind of puts us in the tight. That goes out for a while. He had 15 interceptions. He didn't play a whole 17-game season, so he averaged an interception a game. Well, what's remarkable to me, too, about the Cowboys is you draft South Alabama's own Jalen Tolbert. Sure did. And you use a draft pick on him. And now all of a sudden – he doesn't even touch the field, and he's not injured. And you're wondering why why waste a draft pick? Unrestricted free agent, or excuse me, undrafted free agent is where you could have gotten him. And I'm happy that Tolbert I'm is at, there. I'm, I'm totally with you. Totally and I with think you. he can make a difference, but right. they won't put him on the field. It was not used in the capacity that the young man has, the, 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 the talent that he possesses. We saw what he did at South Alabama. You know, I think it was very smart for him, like a lot of other kids, took advantage of that extra COVID year, raised his game, raised his stakes, gets drafted by the Cowboys. Had a little slight injury at the start of the season, but you're right, Corey, was, was not used in capacities to get enough playing time on the field to be if you want to call it someone who could help the team out when we needed it done so a few of the things I want to ask um, Helen when he comes on later on David Helen doing the show today because it you know it, it's always a head scratcher the expectations they're the most profitable franchise in sports you know the Cowboys it, and I've been with them all my life Corey. I, I, I ain't gonna I'm not gonna drop them to the side but there are some things I'm unhappy about as a Cowboys fan we, we had a user in the app that said poor Al and I guess that meaning, you know, you being a Cowboy fan, and a lot of people say poor Corey for oh, no. being a Miami Dolphins fan, but at the same time, you know what your expectations are. Correct. You know what the Cowboy Nation's expectations are. And, you know, Dan Marino was never able to bring a Super Bowl to Miami. And you're still with them. I'm still with them, but at least, you know, your Cowboys do have some hardware in the trophy. On the other side of this break, we'll talk a little bit more about the Saints made a little action today in the NFL. And, of course, Joe Namath 
weighs in on one Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love has his first official press conference as the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And Greg Byrne, he speaks out and speaks up about the troubles at the University of Alabama and the athletic program. All that and more coming up next on The Final Drive. This is Will Herring, a member of the Auburn family. When I'm in Mobile, I listen to WNST 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Al Whedon, joining me this afternoon. Michael Bronner, of course, on vacation this weekend. Of course, high school football, spring games coming up. Steve Norman was supposed to join us yesterday, was not able to because they were still out on the practice field preparing for their spring game tomorrow versus Ocean Springs at 6 o'clock p.m. at Hornet Stadium there. And, of course, also tomorrow, Williamson will have an inter-squad scrimmage at Ladd Peebles Stadium. And on Saturday, the LaFleur Rattlers will host the Blunt Leopards in the brand-new Snake Pit. The Snake Pit. As they officially cut the ribbon today sure at LaFleur High School along with Viger High School officially opening their stadiums today. And two ribbon-cutting ceremonies tomorrow will be at Davidson and B.C. Rain. So the Mobile County Public School System building stadiums on the campuses of these yeah. schools, and you can see the communities showed up and showed out today at the ribbon-cutting ceremonies. Sure I know did. you were at LaFleur today as they get ready to play Blunt. Expect a packed house. The Snake Pit will probably be full yeah. on Saturday afternoon at 5.30. Well, Corey, as we say during the MCPSS High School Football Game of the Week, uh, in full disclosure, I am a alumnus of John L. LaFleur Magnet High School, uh, class of 1988, and it was quite an honor. It was a joy. It was truly a privilege to watch the excitement from the kids, the administration, MCPSS uh, administration out there, uh, school board commissioners, the principal, Dr. Williams, uh, the band, the football players. It was a joy to see the excitement on everyone's face today in Tomaville, as we call it, at the Snake Pit. Had to talk to Coach Renato Jackson. I said, look, man, Mother's Day is coming up this weekend, and, and my wife wants to go visit her mom in Hattiesburg, so I cannot make the game Saturday. So I had to make the extra effort, Corey, to come out today and watch the grand opening, the ribbon cutting. It was beautiful. The field is beautiful. It is not just a football field. It is also uh, marked for soccer as well. So you could have soccer events there. I was talking to some MCPSS officials. Hey, there's a possibility, not with just the floor, Davidson, BC Rain, uh, and Viger, you could possibly have high school graduation on your campus. Think about that. Some schools years ago would graduate at LAD or graduate at a stadium. You could possibly look at that. There are avenues for revenue that the school could make with the community as well. Uh, we know Pee Wee football is big mm -hmm. here in the area. So uh, the little baby Rattlers, they play over there at Figures Park as well. So it was a joy today. And I can tell you this, Corey, uh, I know you weren't able to be there with me today. The press box is waiting for us, Brad. Yeah, the press I'm box excited. Is, it, it is state of the art. There is internet available in the press box. There, 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 there's many electrical outlets. Uh, 
each particular press box room, I know you're going to love this because uh, <laughs> we see it at Baker a lot, has its own air conditioner in it. Man. I'm not talking portable units, Corey. September yes. and October yes. this past year, you could have used that air conditioner every single you week. You could have. So, you know, when you and I go to these games and we climb the press box, and every now and then we can get in the press box, but a lot of times we're going past window units. We're going past those portable units that the uh, that the schools will have. So all assistant coaches out there listening, these new press boxes, they have their own air. It's like your own little hotel room. You know, you can control the air. Yeah. It's, and, man, it blows cold, Corey. There's some cold AC coming out there, brother. Well, that's what it's all about for these campuses to have yeah. on-campus facilities. And it's something growing up. As a community that absolutely loves high school football, right. there, there's not a school that you can go to. We have some schools that are 0-10, and, and you still see packed stadiums yeah. in Mobile and Baldwin counties. And to have your own stadium walking distance away from your classrooms or from your weight room or from your locker rooms, that's got to be a great feeling for a lot of it knowing really that is. with the turf, as, as bad as it rains sometimes, you're not having to worry about that. You Correct. can host middle school, your feeder programs, multiple purpose uses there the same way that you've seen it, lad, over the years, which is which is outstanding for our local high school yep. teams and athletic programs across the and board. And keep in mind the, the schools that already have stadiums coming up in the future, they're going to be turfed as well. So your schools like Theodore, MGM, uh, Baker, Citronelle, they're going to get they're going to get turf. Blunt, they're going to get the field turf as well. Uh, man, that snake looks beautiful down on the field, Corey, at the snake pit at the floor. And I know that 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 wolf looks good over at Vike. I hadn't seen it up close. I see it from Wilson Avenue when sure. I go down the street. And I mean, it's like you're driving, you know, in the field of dreams, how the movie goes, and all of a sudden this ballpark comes out. That's what it looks like when you drive down St. Stephen's Road or or Wilson Avenue, and you see what. Where does stadium come from? Or if you're on Michael Boulevard passing by Davidson, Davidson or mm -hmm. on, on the dip on, on yep. Dolphin Island, and you see, well, that's Rain Raider Stadium, man. So so a lot of bad things came out of COVID, but some good things came out. So I think this was a great way that the school system used some of that money allocated to them. And it's really giving back because it was well-deserved. So what what lies ahead for Williamson and for Murphy yet to be determined. And hey, I hope they, they get, get situations like this as well. We know Murphy's landlocked, so that's going to be interesting for the, for the Panthers. But at some point, they'll get something. But uh, right now, it's looking good for LaFleur, Viger, Davidson, and BC. But Brown. think about this. Think about the rivalries that we've seen in the old Pritchard Stadium to where right, I-65 right. traffic – going north would shut down Correct. because people would be pulled over on the interstate to watch a high school football game or a robbery here in Mobile at Pritchard Stadium. And yeah. last year when we do Blunt and Viger and seeing 7,000 fans doing the Theodore Saraland game, seeing over 7,000, 8,000 fans standing room only yeah. in a football facility and now having that on your campus, being able to generate all that revenue I know personally growing up and going around watching different football stadiums, being in Pritchard Stadium, going to Theodore or where it have not, now to know that these campuses all will have their own, it's going to be pretty pretty well, Corey, sweet for those schools. I, I'm not Triple G, but I'm going to give you a Triple G guarantee. I'm going to tell you that that coming up with, with Blunt versus Bike, there's a possibility. Wilson Avenue might shut down. It will shut down. From Turner Road to I-110, it, it, it may be shut down for the for the blunt Viger matchup. Well, I tell you what, we're going to shut it down and talk to Roman Harper, who is a shutdown corner at Bama and with the Saints. Safety, too, 
Roman could fill all the plugs. We're going to talk to Roman Harper next here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hi, this is Saran Stacy. You're listening to WNSB 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSB 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Al Whedon sitting in for vacationing Michael Brauner this afternoon. And of course, mentioned before the break, before we shut everything down, you have to talk to the shutdown safety. Roman yeah. Harper, whether it was at Prattville, whether it was at Alabama, whether it was with the Saints, and now shutting down the SEC network, Roman Harper joins us this afternoon on the final drive. Mr. Harper, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for saying that, Corey. Uh, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm going to shut this one down, too. Thanks. I love it. <laughs> I love it, brother. I love it. We appreciate you for, yeah. for locking things up and locking in with us here on the final drive. And, Harp, I'm going to jump right into your latest recognition here for in the state of Alabama, having an opportunity to be 2023 Alabama Sports Hall of Fame inductee. I know that probably means a lot to you because I know you love your state, you love your community of Prattville, but to be forever enshrined in the Hall of Fame, in the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame, I know means a lot to you. You know, it does. Um, but I, I still haven't wrapped my head around it yet. I guess uh, I'm one of those people that kind of lives in the moment a lot of times. And, you know, I, I just, I'm very thankful of it. I'm very gracious. But like I said, I haven't really wrapped my head around it. I haven't prepared my speech yet um, or what I'm going to say. Um, I'm just really excited. And if I just look back on who I was, since as a young man growing up in the state, because like you said, Corey, I do love Alabama. That is where I'm from, and those are my people, and I love my hometown and my home state collectively, Like, and that's just what it is. And I'll always be from Alabama. I don't tell people I'm from Charlotte. That's where I live. But I'm from Alabama, period. So, um, But growing up there, it's not like I ever thought that this was something that I'd ever be able to achieve or I'd ever thought about or even dreamt of. So it's just an honor in that part of it, like – you know, I, I always dreamed of maybe having a chance to play in the NFL as like a goal or like these aspirations. But to be in the Hall of Fame or in the Sports Hall of Fame and throughout my home state, uh, never thought about that. Let's talk about your growing up around football in Prattville. High school football means so much here in the state of Alabama. And you have an opportunity to travel across the country and have seen high school athletics and collegiate athletics across the country working for the SEC Network now. What makes high school football here in the state of Alabama different than the other states? And why is it that per capita, Mobile, Alabama, and Baldwin County produce more NFL dudes than anywhere in the country? Well, number one, uh, it was some dudes that was uh, being born and raised in Baldwin County and Mobile County because that's where it happens uh, first and foremost. But I, I think a lot of the talent and success, I think Alabama has – continue to grow. I think the football talent and overall perspective and how much recruiting goes on in the state of Alabama has only risen. And I think that is because of the college 
football at Alabama as a state has improved throughout the years. And, and so more and more people want to stay there. More and more people, young people grow up liking and loving the sport. It dominates the conversation at home. And so these things are what push young people to want to be great football players and love the sport in which I loved as well. So I, I think it starts at the home. I think it starts because, and it becomes a bigger factor because of the college perspective and the college football that's being played inside the state at Alabama and at Auburn, UAB, Alabama A&M, Alabama State, like throughout everywhere, uh, North Alabama, it, it's just football all around and everybody loves it and takes it up to the, to the utmost. Now, Corey, I know you called him the shutdown corner, but I got to say, this is the sharpest, cleanest brother, not on the SEC network, but across the entire ESPN network of families. You know what I mean? When I say casket clean, yeah. he always clean. So yeah. so I know it's an honor to go into the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. But, but Roman, I heard you a couple weeks ago. I think you were sitting in on Fine Bum, and someone was asking you about your story and, and how you got to Alabama because, you know, you were looking at – I know your brother did Alabama State, and you were talking about the HBCU MP impact on your family and, and kind of share with, with the listeners how, how did you go from going one way to going all of a sudden you're now playing for the Crimson Tide well it was my brother went to Troy my parents actually went to uh Alabama State so I grew up HBCU that mm -hmm. that was my connection with my parents I never went to Tuscaloosa I didn't like Auburn I didn't like Alabama my loyalty was to Alabama State and that's where I was at on every Sunday because my dad played uh, my mom graduated there. That's where they met, and so that was my whole family. And uh, and when it came down to it, I I told my mom when I was young though, and I never had football. I didn't think I'd be playing in college. But when it came down to it, um, I chose Alabama over Auburn, and that was for three different reasons. I, I think it was the lack of like not so much like I don't want to go to HBCU. I don't think Alabama State even really recruited me as much as is like Alabama or Auburn. Like, I don't even know if they thought or imagined them having a chance, a truly a chance. Um, I would say that much of it, but it came down to Alabama-Auburn. And I picked Alabama because, number one, the colors at <laughs> Prattville are very similar to what's at Alabama, so I knew I looked good in it. Right. Uh, I, I didn't know how I felt about the blue, white, and orange. I, I just wasn't ready for that. <laughs> number two, Alabama was Nike. And uh, Auburn at the time was Russ Athletic. I had Russ Athletic in high school, so I was ready for the upgrade. And then number three, I like my DB coach, Chris Thurman, just a little bit more. And, I mean, that's the mind of an 18-year-old kid. Everybody thinks it's all these other things. Luckily, NIL was not even an option at the time. So it was just more of, hey, man, I'm 18. These are things I dig, and let's go get it. The accomplishments that you've had in football – as well as in fatherhood. Winning the Super Bowl, that is definitely the pinnacle of anyone's career or that's where they aspire to be as far as in the NFL. But which one was tougher for you? Winning the Super Bowl with the Saints or now becoming Super Dad along with the rest of your family and continuing to grow your outstanding family? So, all honesty, I mean, what's harder is raising the family and the kids. I mean, ball is life when ball is life. You know, it's just like, dude, I'm just riding the wave. Uh, winning the Super Bowl is so hard. It's so tough. It's something you never get to accomplish. But, man, um, it, it is a certain sense of joy that raising my own family and to see when they do well. When I see my daughter all of a sudden 
score 12 points in a basketball game, being able to dribble, crossover, go back another way and make a jumper, or when she hits a three-pointer when nobody expects her to, or to see my daughter score a couple goals in soccer, and then to see my son, all of a sudden his joy when he hits the ball in baseball and or he's making some shots in basketball when he's been practicing at these things. And uh, genuinely, my kids show me that they trust me. So when I, when I, what I mean by that is when I offer up my information, because I'm a dad, I don't want to be their coach. I want to, I want to stay in the dad lane for, for this time in my life, this chapter. But it's really important that they show uh, that, you know, how much pride I take when they actually trust me. I'm like, hey, Sydney, just stick your hand out. I promise you can steal it. And just attempt it. And she does it. And, uh, and then she comes back to me and tells me how much better she feels about it, those little things. Or my daughter in London, when I'm telling her about having her feet underneath her for her jumpers, and she, she does it. And then she looks at me when she almost does a Euro step. She got called for traveling, but she attempted it. <laughs> and so these are the things. The lights just go off, and they just look over at me and just gleam at me. Like, it just brings me a sense of joy that I, I truly – I, it's the only way I get it. I mean, I, I know I've had, man, I broke up passes. I've gotten interceptions. Not the same feeling, man. It's just not. And so these are the joys that I live for now. It's, saying, it's the same excitement, a different arena. Um, but, you know, I, I, I replaced the loud roars for other silent cheers on the inside as being a father and seeing those things and my kids trusting me. And and, uh, and they only look at me as dad. Like they, it's funny because they was at basketball practice last night and, my daughter's like, Dad, we got to go to Alabama. They don't want to go. And then we're going to go see Grandma and Papa. That would be fun. But, Dad, why we, Why do you have to go to Alabama again? I'm like, man, I don't want to tell these kids. Cause, <laughs> like, I'm not trying to brag on myself. But this is the weird predicament I'm in, and I'm in every day, and it's just my life. And they're like, oh, yeah, my dad's got to go to something. You know, and it's, uh, it's funny. But this is my life, man. I'm, I'm blessed, honestly. Absolutely. Roman Harper, former Prattville Lion, along with former Bama safety to go along with Super Bowl champion for the New Orleans Saints, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And Roman, winning that Super Bowl, of course, was a great feeling. And when you see a few years later, you win that Super Bowl with the Saints, and then you start seeing the Saban tradition takeover and Alabama's dominance at the top of college football come into effect. And now you start to see the pendulum start to swing a little bit. As you're being an SEC analyst, knowing that King Kirby is what we're calling him right now, the king of college football, <laughs> the blueprint has been given to him by Nick Saban, and now he's taking it and going for a three-peat. I'm going to ask you, looking at Georgia's spring game, can Georgia – actually three-peat? Yes, they can. I mean, the biggest thing is getting in the playoffs, and I don't see anybody in the SEC stopping them right now, especially with their schedule. Um, so, And all you got to do is just win the SEC championship. So, and you're telling me who's going to stop them, you know what I mean, from representing the SEC East in the SEC championship, whether it's a one loss or not, you can still go. And so right now I would definitely uh, I would take that bet. I understand it. Um, I've been covering the SEC for three years now, and I've learned, and I, and I said it on TV, and I'll continue to say it this year, that I will pick Georgia until Georgia proves me wrong. And once they do, then I, all right, then I have the opportunity to change my opinion. That's the best thing about what I get to do is it's just my opinion. And uh, I don't take it uh, as seriously as others, and people are entitled to their opinion. It's just funny because I'm on TV and I get paid to share mine. Yeah, that's the great mm. thing about it. When you grow up, everyone has an opinion and just being able to share it. But with sharing it with the type of background that you do have, and I, I, was, yeah, I do have accolades, you're right. I mean, just, that, just that, a couple, that, just, just, a couple. Too, just, so. just a couple, <laughs> just, just a few, a my bit. brother, just a few. Now, let me ask you this. <laughs> Did you really 
ever think that you would see five scholarship quarterbacks on Alabama's roster at any point in time during the Nick Saban era? Yes, because he recruits at such a high level. So, I mean, if kids keep choosing, I mean, I'm not going to blame him for keep recruiting. Um, it, it's competitive, and the best players play under Nick. I think that's the thing that I love the most and what I've seen that's been most consistently for him since his tenure has started at Alabama, and it's been a great legacy. Now, you've is been – Excuse me, I didn't mean to go know, ahead. The best players always play, sorry. No, you're fine. And being that defensive back – the list that came out by Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith, okay, for best top five Alabama wide receivers. Jerry Judy says Devontae Smith, Amari Cooper, he included himself, Calvin Ridley, and Julio Jones, and Devontae's list was pretty much the same. The best wide receiver that, A, you've ever gone against in your time, in your collegiate career, and in the pros, and do you can you agree with those top five wide receivers or is somebody omitted there i mean i I'm, i mean i would feel remorse i would feel remorse if you don't at least mention ozzy newsome i know it's a totally different game but just understanding what some of these guys would have been in today's offensive scheme david palmer would have been another interesting person just to see what he would have been able to do in slot formations and actually have an offense built to throw the football um, you know, just those things. That's all I'm saying as far as Alabama's concerned with all their top-tier guys for all time. I, I totally respect everybody's opinion on that. Mine may be just a little different. I would also – I don't know where they had Julio at. Was he fifth or first? Uh, that would be debatable as well. Um, and for me, the best receiver I ever faced is Calvin Johnson, hands down, uh, because of the size, the speed, um, when you see him at a Pro Bowl and you're with the best of the best of the best, and he's clearly the best, um, I think that goes a long way. And uh, he's called Megatron for a reason. Can't thank you enough, Roman Harper, for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on WNSP 105.5 and the final drive. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you and hopefully Michael Bronner and I and Nick Wiggins will get a chance to catch up with you at SEC Media Days. It's fastly approaching, but congratulations on to your induction into the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Very well deserved. Tremendous career and continuing to be a tremendous father and ambassador. And we all look up to you on the SEC Network for just giving your honest and unbiased opinion and we respect you for that so thank you so much for your time roman harper appreciate it man thank you Corey. i appreciate you guys for having me and uh anytime and look i'm i'm my brother lived in mobile for 15 plus years i'm a big mobile fan and i know how much the, the gulf coast loves the new orleans saints so uh who that thank you guys for having me as always and uh, thanks for the congratulations i look forward to it absolutely roman harper joining us here on the final drive on wnsp 105.5 Corey LeBounty and Al Whedon will be right back after the break. Hi, this is Bo Manning, my co-producer of Training Days, Rolling with the Tide. You're listening to WNSP 105.5 Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5 want to thank Roman Harper for jumping in with us here. And, of course, if you miss any of that interview, you can go ahead and 
podcast. It's WNSP now. As soon as the show's over, you can go back and listen to that Roman Harper interview we had. And, of course, not missing last night were the Philadelphia 76ers oh. defeating... Oh. Your Boston Celtics, oh, Al. Don't bring it up, Carl. It, it's it's tough now. You're looking at a series oh. here to where the Celtics they're they're about to go fishing, brother. Oh. Three to two, Corey. It was so bad. It was so bad last night. It was so bad. I didn't even want to drink. It was that bad. <laughs> I didn't want to drink. It I, was so bad. I, I do understand your your frustration, <sighs> and, and it's the Man. same thing when you look at Denver over Phoenix. Jokic said, "Man, look." The funny part about that was him tossing <laughs> the ball to the owner yeah, yeah, yeah. in the pregame because that's what they had the little scuffle over yeah, yeah. in Phoenix. I thought that was pretty creative was, by both of them. That was pretty good and, TV. And it was creative. It was very creative. <laughs> it was creative and for Jokic and uh, his teammate to kind of uh, sneak in to the uh, timeout that uh, Phoenix was having, and Durant pushed him out to and, and look, Hey, I love it, dude. Elbow I love for it. elbow in that's that right. series. Jokic. Had a triple double last night as that series is three to two. Now a lot of people are excited about the Lakers and the Warriors, and can LeBron James continue to dominate and become the all-time goat by taking the Lakers, who made roster adjustments after the trade deadline? Can they go ahead and tuck in Golden State tonight? I don't think they will be able to tuck him in, but I will say this. Based on the rest that they need, I'm not a Lakers fan by no means. I'm a Celtics fan. But based on their age and the rest that they need, one would say you should go all in tonight and get it over with because nine times out of ten – Denver's going to hand it to Phoenix when they meet them at the next. When, when CP3 went out, it was over, Corey, for the Suns. I, I hate to say it for KD, but it, it was a wrap, man. When, I mean, who's going to handle the rock for you? I mean, Booker's got to shoot off. Durant's going to shoot, but you need that person to to dish and assist. So uh, I would expect I would expect Darvin Ham and the crew, because I heard Mike Greenberg, I laid out on ESPN saying, you should sit the Lakers Low management. and take it home. Man, look, look, LeBounty, I know y'all took the loss Friday, but I know that was low management for you, man, because after COVID, you know, you might have refereed two games. So, you know, I understand y'all took the L on your low management, but you're in the pl- court. Playoffs? That's the playoffs. You yeah. got to play to get in, man. So, by no means would, would Ham want to sit LeBron and AD. Now, I will say this. If you get into the middle third quarter and it's getting a little out of hand, you might want to take it to the house then. But I would not sit them to start the game by no means. I don't think they'll sit tonight. Mm-hmm. I think they'll play. They're going to go for the sweep if they're not able to get it. They've been able to sit late in the fourth quarter in a couple of games because that series in a couple of games has not been closed. So the Lakers, if yeah. they lose tonight, it'll be smooth sailing in regards to being able to set yourself up and prepare a for a seven-game series. The Joker ain't nothing to play with. No, nah, he, he's he, – I, I still thought Man. Embiid was the MVP – this year in the NBA, but Jokic, the Joker is showing the Joker that, that is the real thing. Look, he's wild. I thought MB was the most outstanding player, but not the most valuable player. Well, the Joker is the truth, Corey. I, he he's playing a phenomenal series, and against the Suns, Kevin Durant will probably, if he had a vote, would change his vote to MB not give, winning. I will MVP. give the credit to Doc. Doc outcoached my guy in the first first game. He outcoached Mazzoni in, in game one. He, he taught him a lesson in. But they split in Boston. They split in Philly. So last night, man, when I say it was a must win for the Celtics, they did the same thing against the Hawks in round one 
and they did the same thing last year against the Bucks. It went the same way. They split, they split again, and the Bucks took game five. So the Celtics had to win the last two to get it. Bulldog Butler, does he go ahead and close out the Knicks tonight? As much as I love a story and, and, and I, I love the story of the Knicks, it's a wrap. Yeah, I think the Knicks go home tonight, too. Butler shutting them down tonight. It, it, it's going to be over. And I'll tell you, They're on the final the drive coming up at the top of the hour, we have the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham. Doesn't get any better than that yeah. in regards to his passion that he has for Auburn University does a phenomenal job doing football games, baseball. Now Auburn's gotten hot here late in the season from a baseball standpoint. Andy Burcham coming up next here on the final drive with Corey LeBounty and Al Whedon sitting in for vacationing. Michael Bronner. From Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome to our number two of the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with Al Whedon, who's sitting in for vacation. And Michael Bronner. want to thank my man Al Whedon for joining me this afternoon. And don't forget, folks, tomorrow at 3.30, Nick Wiggins will be sitting in with me and we'll be talking with John Harbaugh, the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. He'll be coming to Mobile, Alabama next week for the team focus banquet here Tuesday, May 16th. Of course, that being at 6.30, dinner will be served. You can contact the team focus organization on how to get tickets to listen and talk with John Harbaugh along with Alabama's defensive coordinator, Kevin Steele, will also be coming and speaking at team focus 3.30 tomorrow here on the final drive, we'll have the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens with us, John Harbaugh. And speaking of head coaches, one who gets an opportunity to see a lot of coaches being the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham joins us on the final drive. Andy, good afternoon and thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Corey. Good to be with you today, my friend. Yes, sir. It is definitely always a pleasure to join you. And going to jump right into Auburn baseball, who is on fire and hot. Butch Thompson, a couple of weeks ago, had some Auburn fans a little nervous, biting their fingernails, whether they were going to be able to turn the corner. But this past weekend, get the series win and a run rule over the number one team in the country, LSU, and have won several series against some great SEC opponents. Well, and, you know, the, it started at the halfway point of the season and Auburn was 5-10 and 10 in the SEC. And, you know, there was, there was real, real talk that this team may not make the SEC tournament. 
at that point. And uh, in a, a three-week span, with a series win over Mississippi State, and then a series win at number two, South Carolina, and as you mentioned, at home against number one, LSU, now Auburn's being talked about as a possible NCAA tournament team. So things can change a great deal in a three-week span. Now, with all of that said, this Auburn team has to finish strong. And it starts this weekend with Ole Miss tomorrow night, and then Auburn comes home for the final weekend series of the year as the Tigers play host to Missouri at Plainsman Park next week. And if Auburn doesn't finish strong, then this three-week span will be quickly forgotten. So a lot of work to be done, but Auburn certainly has put itself in position with these last three weekends of play. Well, Andy, the loveliest village on the plain continues to grow. It continues to expand in a community standpoint, its fan base standpoint, and also with the resources and facilities that are continuing to be built be built at Auburn. And, of course, new head football coach Hugh Freeze just finishes up with his first spring, and Auburn brings in a transfer quarterback from Michigan State, brings in in the portal some offensive linemen which were much needed and I talked to Jason Campbell a couple of weeks ago he said I don't care what kind of quarterback you are if you don't have anybody that can keep you off your backside it's not going to matter and I know that you've been very pleased to see Hugh Freeze get in and immediately go to work not only in the portal but hitting these high schools across the state of Alabama also. Well, I think it's one of the it's one of the, the best things that he has done since he's been named the head coach. I, I love the staff that he put together with this recruiting class, and it you know it continues to grow. I mean, it has grown in the last week with the transfer quarterback out of Michigan State. They're continuing to look at wide receivers at this point. Added an offensive lineman out of Tulsa this week. Um, so th- this is going to be a, a very different ball club than Auburn had a year ago. And listen, we all knew that one of the the top priorities on this roster had to be offensive linemen. And Auburn has hit the ground running with offensive linemen. And not just offensive linemen in the portal, which are going to help hopefully immediately, but some young guys too, some guys that they're they're hitting uh, with regard to the high school ranks as well. But I don't know how you can say anything other than the, the, the job that Hugh Freeze has been dramatically different than in years past. And Auburn will have a much different-looking team this year, possibly at the quarterback spot, possibly. Well, it will look different on the offensive line. It will look different defensively up front as well. Uh, but, uh, I mean, you know, it's, it, the, the work that he has done and continues to do, I think, is incredible, incredibly impressive with, with that roster and, uh, you know, it's something he's been doing since the moment he was named the Auburn head coach. Andy, Corey just talked about the excitement on the Plains. You just talked about the excitement that Coach Hugh Freeze is bringing to Auburn. And, and we know you can get excited with new toys and new and, and new things under the Christmas tree, as you said. You know, we call it the transfer portal. It's almost like it's NFL free agency on the college level, Andy, t- tell us how do you feel about how the portal works and, and, and the things that you can derive out of it. What are your what's your take on it? Well, I mean, it is you you can transform a roster immediately, mm-hmm. and not just in football. You can do it in baseball. And Auburn has had some big time transfer guys. I mean, Sonny Deshera last year, who transferred to Auburn from Sanford and was the co-SEC Player of the Year. Uh, Cooper McMurray, who transferred to Auburn from Kansas this year, is Auburn's starting 
first baseman. He's second on the team in home runs at this point. So, and then then look at the transfers that Bruce Pearl has had uh, at Neville Arena. I mean, when you have Walker Kessler, who was named an NBA All Rookie selection this year, transfer from North Carolina, Wendell Green, uh, uh, Katie Johnson. Um, guys like that that have, that have helped out Auburn. Zepp Jasper, who was a starter for Auburn for two straight years. Um, and listen, you lose some guys, there's no question. But Auburn has also helped itself with the transfer portal. Here's the thing about the transfer portal, guys. Whether you like it or not, if you don't use it at this point, I think you are falling behind at this point. And there are very few schools out there that are relying solely on their recruits that are coming out of high school and the junior college ranks now. Everybody is dipping into the transfer portal at this point. It is a reality. Uh, it may not be universally liked. It probably isn't. But uh, if, if you don't adapt to it, I believe, guys, you're falling behind. Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, joins us this afternoon on the final drive. And you mentioned two former Auburn Tigers having an opportunity to get all-rookie recognition in their first season. I mean, if you were to say Walker Kessler, who was traded to a third team a week after the draft, would have been a first-team all-rookie selection in front of Jabari Smith Jr., I probably would not have believed you, Andy, just because based on – I know you go to the team that selects you, but – from a numbers standpoint, if you were to ask me from the beginning, I would have said the number three pick normally would be a first-team all-rookie team prior to the number 22 or 23rd pick in the draft. Well, and I thought Jabari had a good year, too. I mean, he was a second-team all-rookie selection with the Houston Rockets, and I thought had a terrific year and got better as the year went on. Uh, with, with, with Walker, I guess it probably was a bit of a surprise because Walker went a little bit later in the first round. As you mentioned, he was traded twice on draft day and then <laughs> traded one more time yeah, and right. ends up with the Utah, with the Utah Jazz, and, and I thought just had a terrific year. And I think one of the things that helped him immediately was his defense and his shot-blocking ability. And then his offense came around, and, uh, and he stayed healthy this season as well. So, I mean, I, I saw him briefly about three weeks ago. He was on campus. Uh, working out on campus after that rookie season and, you know, just congratulated him on a terrific rookie season. But, um, and, and I think he's a guy that's only going to get better as he gets stronger and gets used to what is an incredible schedule in the NBA. I mean, it is, it is a brutal schedule. You know, how many games you play in a row, sometimes in one city on one night and another city on another. Um, and that was one of the things he said it, 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 that he had to adjust to was the schedule. But, uh, I mean, hats off to what Walker and Jabari did. They have set themselves up for a great NBA career, and, uh, and I wish them nothing but the best and sure wish they were still part of the Auburn Tigers. <laughs> no question about that, Andy. And the great thing about your job is when you go from football to basketball and then transition over to baseball – the electric environments, Jordan-Hare Stadium, when it's rocking during the Iron Bowl or the way it did when Cadillac took over against Texas A&M as the head coach. When you look at the jungle, the excitement that it pre- presents to spectators and, and visitors, and then, of course, Plainsman Park, 
just the excitement that you have an opportunity to be right in. I know Jordan Hare holds 86, 87,000, but they don't sit right on top of you the way they do in the jungle. Is the jungle one of the loudest SEC environments on top of Jordan Hare Stadium during that A&M game that you've been a part of? Well, it is. I mean, listen, Jordan Hare Stadium is a special place. And it's hard sometimes to completely describe why it is special. But it is. That's a fact. And then you go to Neville Arena, and, you know, we, Sonny and I, sit right in front of the jungle. We're close enough that when they're shaking the, the uh, you know, when they're, they're shaking the shakers behind us, I can feel that on the top of my head sometimes, and I'm not exaggerating yeah. about that. I, those, guys, they're, the, those guys and gals are right behind us. And let me say this, what, what Butch Thompson has done at Plainsman Park, opening up right center field where students and the community can come, bring picnics and, and, and whatever that they want for that day. Heck, there, were, there was a couch out there earlier this season that, that, that someone brought. For a series, and then folks are up on the parking deck behind the the, the, the third base line, the left field line, above the Tiger Terrace, and all of a sudden, what was one time an easy place for teams to come in and play is not so easy anymore. Uh, with what this team has done on the field, with what it's doing off the field, and there are improvements coming to Plainsman Park. There's going to be additional seating immediately uh, behind home plate, down at field level. That's coming. Uh, there's, there's going to be a club level up above um, where the press box is now, and then there's the, the premium seating that's going to be taking place down the right field line that will be used not only for baseball season but football season because it will overlook Tiger Walk. So those improvements are coming here in the next few years to Plainsman Park. There are improvements coming, uh, I believe, in the north end zone at Jordan Air Stadium, improvements coming to Jane B. Moore Field for softball. Uh, this new administration with John Cohen at the helm, they are they're not wasting any time making improvements to facilities. And then what what has opened now, and this course has been in the works for several years with the Waltos Football Performance Center, is second to none at this point. The home for Auburn football now is just a, a gleaming facility for that football program in Hugh Free. So some very, very exciting times as far as facilities and improvements to facilities at the, at Auburn University. I know Antonio Coleman, former defensive lineman, All-SEC, and DeMarco McNeil, both here out of Mobile, have had an opportunity to visit the facilities and have spoken so highly of it, not only just being Auburn men, but just knowing that it's second to none versus the other places right. that they visit throughout their travels, especially Antonio Coleman with all the athletes that he has at Williamson High School. But I know behind the achievements that they've made from an athletic standpoint, Frank Thomas gets his statue this season, and I know that had to make a lot of Auburn fans real happy, especially now with the success here lately of Auburn baseball, seeing Frank Thomas, the big hurt, being on campus, even though it was a rainy day when his statue was dedicated. Yeah, well, it, it rained before, during, and after <laughs> that day. It, was, it rained all day long, but, but there were thousands of people that gathered for the unveiling of his statue. It took place, it was going to take place there at the statue. It took place inside in the Tiger Walk Club, and there were thousands of Auburn faithful, thousands of the Auburn family 
that were there that day. And a lot of his former teammates, his head coach, Al Baird, was there, uh, current head coach Butch Thompson, athletic director John Cohen, uh, Tim Jackson with Tigers Unlimited emceed the event, and, of course, the Big Hurt with his family was there as well. And it was great to have Frank back on campus. I mean, as, as great as the SEC is, and there is no conference better for baseball than the Southeastern Conference. I the fact that Frank is the first and still only member in, of Cooperstown from the SEC is remarkable. It's he won't amazing. be the last. Unbelievable. There are others coming, to be sure. But uh, he is the first and still the only one, and it, it was a long time coming. Uh, I talked with the man who, who, who crafted, who sculpted the statue. His name is Lou Sella. He's out of a studio in Chicago. He also uh, sculpted the statues of Pat Dye, Shook Jordan, and Cliff Hare on the south side of Jordan Hare Stadium. And he just talked about the work that he has done. That's the second different statue of Frank that he has sculpted because he sculpted the statue of Frank that's at Comiskey Park or Comerica Park now uh, in Chicago. So, And it is, it is big, uh, as Frank is big, <laughs> and um, it, it, is, it is fun to watch people because uh, it's, it's behind us down on, the, down on the field level behind the stadium, and our press box opens up back, back there. There's a window, and it's fun to watch people come up and, and take pictures with that statue of Frank Thomas, pose with that statue of Frank Thomas in that Auburn uniform. So it is a, it is something to behold, that's for sure. Well, I tell you, something to behold for all the Auburn fans will be your new partner this season, Jason Campbell, taking over for the legendary Stan White. I know you have to be excited. You, Jason Campbell's already part of the Auburn family, but sitting next to you now every single Saturday, I know you're looking forward to that treat also. Well, I am, and I, we, will, we will miss Stan a great deal. But his kids were getting to a point where he was going to be missing a lot of games and that type of thing. And heck, Stan had done it for 21 years, for goodness sakes. And he decided it was time to spend more time with family. And we will honor Stan during this season. Uh, but we are, we're really thrilled because Jason was our first choice uh, for, to take over that role as the analyst on the Auburn Sports Network, we, well, we don't call him. He told us to call him Smooth. That's his nickname, <laughs> Smooth. I love it. And it's, it's pretty apropos. Uh, and, and listen, he brings so much to the booth. He brings so much knowledge. Um, and I, I just I cannot wait to, to call these games with, with Jason moving forward and, and have him, you know, move forward, as, as did Stan White, as did Charlie Trotman before him and the legendary – Pat Sullivan before him. So we're thrilled to have um, Jason uh, as part of our family, part of the Auburn family, and uh, can't wait for him to be, can't wait to call games with them on football Saturdays this season. Andy Bertram, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to join us this afternoon on the final drive. Wish you the best and look forward to talking to you and seeing you again very soon. Guys, I certainly appreciate it. You have a great day, okay? Do the same. Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Hi, this is Cornelius Bennett, three-time All-American College Football Hall of Fame, and you're listening to WNSP. 
Welcome back to the final drive. Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, just finished joining us here. And Andy Burcham, when you look from going from football <laughs> to basketball to baseball, that yep. truly makes you the voice. He is the voice of the Auburn Tigers. And, and no it's doubt. a lot of work as well. And, you know, when you, when you put in a lot of work, of course, when you're – a world champion or a national champion, you normally visit the White House. Want to get my reward. And yeah, when you go to the White House, of course, LSU women's will be going there. UConn's men will be going there. They'll both be going on May 26th. Okay, okay. But for some reason, the June 12th date that was given for the Georgia Bulldogs did not fit in their athletic calendar because a lot of the players – would not be present on campus. That, yeah, you, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. with the entire team not being present on campus, they go ahead and decline the visit to the White House, which isn't the first, but I think when you go back to where the White House took a lot of flack for serving hamburgers, McDonald's, Burger King, assorted fast foods during COVID, that's normally not what, you were served no. when you were a world champion or you were a national champion. No, Corey, no. Prior to COVID hitting, you were getting those meals, those three and four course meals. The fine china. And eating with <laughs> the fine china right, without right. question. But, you know, LSU and UConn will make that visit to the White House. Well, I was reading that this will be the second year in the row the Bulldogs won't make it because of COVID restrictions the previous year. So, that's back-to-back -back years, not to the White House, but now you know how things are in baseball, Corey, and superstitions, and, and and you know, if we didn't go twice, you know, <laughs> man, you know the Bulldogs saying, look, that might set us up for the three-peat. You, you never know, Corey, you never know. But it's unfortunate, but, I mean, you know as well as I know that that time of year, June 12th, I mean, man, we're turning the corner getting ready for, like, football. That's right. And, and it, it kind of surprises me that they couldn't find a workable date. And I know that the president has a very busy, He's a busy schedule. Man. Yeah. He's in and out, and it's hard to find that date. And if you can't find a date, then you can't find a date. But for the second consecutive year, the Georgia Bulldogs won't have an opportunity to at least take that picture or have an opportunity to get souvenirs uh, with the president or Anything dealing with the White House saying, look, I, I, I visit Pennsylvania Avenue outside of just becoming a regular guest. We were invited to the White House and had an opportunity for a special tour. Look, and you can't have that picture on the wall. Look at it this way. If if TCU had played a better game, maybe uh, Dr. Biden would have invited the runner up, like, you know, like yeah, in the women's, that, <laughs> like in the women's basketball that's kinda tournament. That's kind of what happened. And, and good for <laughs> Iowa declining that right, so right. it'll just be lsu and uconn your men and women's national champion of college basketball visiting the white house on may 26 but the last couple of days we've been looking at this bob huggins story yeah. and with this bob huggins story i've been saying it on monday to markheim when it did break and he had the homophobic slur that he used and and kind of put religion on top of that. I felt he was going to be suspended. I didn't think he was going to lose his job. No. But basically, he was already making four and a half, 
close to four and a half million dollars in salary. So West Virginia said, okay, we're going to suspend you for the first three games of the season. Okay. Okay. And we're going to take a million dollars out of your salary, and we're going to make you go ahead and take sensitivity training classes. Got to get that sensitivity training in there, Corey. That's that's Got what's to. that's what's going to change the heart of Bob Huggins. That's not not the, not the money they're taking out of his pocketbook, but that sensitivity training. Got to get that in. But y- you know, Huggins has taken a whole lot of heat, and I said it yesterday, Tom Brenneman when he was speaking to West Virginia's basketball team, invited by Bob Huggins after making his homophobic slur, you would have thought Bob Huggins would have learned and realized from that. Didn't happen. Huggins, Huggy Bear, as he's known in the collegiate basketball ranks, is not fired, just a three-game suspension at the beginning of the season and reduced his salary by a million bucks. So Bob Huggins, still the head basketball coach at West Virginia. Virginia. When we come back, we're going to have David Hellman. He covers the Cowboys for Fox Sports. Talk about them Cowboys. And we're going to talk about them (laughs) Cowboys next here on the final drive on WNSP. Corey LeBounty and Al Whedon holding it down for Michael Brauner. Today, I want to thank my man Al Whedon for holding it down for Michael Brauner and hope Michael Brauner is enjoying his vacation with his family. The final drive will be right back. Brad Nessler, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Al Whedon, Michael Brauner on vacation this week. And don't forget, folks, tomorrow on the final drive, we will have John Harbaugh, the head football coach of the Baltimore Ravens, He'll be coming to Mobile, Alabama next week for the Team Focus Banquet Tuesday, May 16th. The dinner starts at 6.30. Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide, will be joining John Harbaugh as guest speaker. So you don't want to miss the Team Focus Banquet. And, of course, tomorrow, 3.30, the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. John Harbaugh, the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. And, I got my man Al Whedon with me today, and I had, because Al is such a huge Cowboys fan, Thank I you, said, Corey. I'm going to call my man David Hellman to make his debut the same way Al Whedon is to speak on the Cowboys. David covers the Cowboys for Fox Sports. Good afternoon, David, and welcome to the final drive. What's up, y'all? Thanks for having me. Man, I tell you, David, you know, the first thing a lot of people say, how about them Cowboys? Well, we'll go back to how they did in this 2023 draft. Not a lot of big splashes by the Cowboys, but enough additions in the draft and through free agency to where the Cowboys are going to try to go ahead and compete for that division again. Yeah, uh, that's a really good way to put it. I don't, you know, I don't think anybody would confuse this draft with um, anything flashy or sexy for the Cowboys this year. You know, a lot of linemen, a lot of uh, beef on the line of scrimmage. Obviously, that's not a bad thing. I think this team could stand to get better on both sides of the ball in that regard. Uh, their offensive line was was pretty leaky at times last year, and they were one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. So I think that was. 
that was a priority in this draft. And like the Cowboys like to remind you, um, they actually did a lot more work in free agency this year than they usually do. They managed to re-sign all of their key defenders from last year's team, and uh, they swung a couple of, uh, of pretty interesting trades for, for Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore. So uh, when you're capable of adding Pro Bowl caliber veterans, uh, maybe maybe hitting home runs in the draft isn't as important. So, yeah, I mean, I think you look at you look at the NFC with Tom Brady retiring and Aaron Rodgers getting traded. I think you got to consider the Cowboys one of the two or three best teams in the conference right now. Well, David, tell me this. You want to get the ball into the hand of your playmakers, and you just talked about, you know, the additions in free agency. We know the, the play calling is going to be a bit different this season for the Cowboys. Kellen Moore is out. Mike McCarthy calling the plays. How do you think he and Dak are going to line up with this offense for this upcoming year? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's one of the biggest variables facing this team. Obviously, uh, Kellen's been calling the plays in Dallas for, for three years at this point. He's been with Dak since Dak got on the team as a rookie, so there was a certain level of familiarity there. Mike McCarthy obviously called a lot of plays in Green Bay and did so very successfully, but I think it's, it's been five years since he's had this job. Um, so I'm interested to see how it translates. I mean, with the talent they have on offense and Mike McCarthy's experience, I, I would be pretty surprised if the drop-off is severe. You know, like I said, I think you've still got the talent and the experience to be a top-ten offense, but uh, the Cowboys have been a top-three offense for, for most of the time that Dak has been the quarterback in Dallas. So even a slight drop-off might be kind of noticeable. But, yeah, um, how the chemistry works there and how – Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott vibe this year, I think, is a, a really underrated storyline. One of the storylines that always fascinates me about the Cowboys is, again, our Stephen Smith, Stephen A. Smith on ESPN. Anytime the Cowboys lose, you know he's going to go on the first take and give them a hard time. But he's not the only Cowboy fan or the cow only Cowboy hater that's out there. I think that you have a regular, a lot of regular average Joe fans that, that just <laughs> kind of scratched their head and wonder when Jerry Jones is really going to turn this team loose. And what I mean by that is to, to just not playing favoritism or spending money in the right positions because I was talking to Al earlier about Ezekiel Elliott. And as soon as he signed that big contract, boom, you, you just get no production from him in regards from the running back position. And, and it's situations like that that make the running back position undervalued in the NFL. Can Tony Pollard or is Tony Pollard the answer for the Cowboys at running back now? I think Tony Pollard absolutely is an answer. I think you could make the case if Tony Pollard's not the best skill player on the Cowboys, he's second best behind C.D. Lamb. I mean, he made the Pro Bowl as a backup last year. Um, he's certainly he's very capable of being a dynamic running back. I think he's one of the best three or four big play running backs in the NFL right now. My question is just if that's enough. Uh, you know, I actually I, I applaud the Cowboys for doing what they had to do with Zeke because he fell off a cliff so dramatically over the last two years. I mean, you just you weren't getting baseline production out of them, let alone, you know, 15, 12, 15 million dollars a year. So I applaud them for making a, a tough decision and, and cutting a guy that they obviously have a lot of history with. My question is, uh, is Tony Pollard enough? Because, you know, they, they signed Ronald Jones to a vet minimum contract. That's really not anything worth getting excited about. 
and uh, drafting Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State. It's a very cool story. Y'all obviously, you know, he had a y'all saw he had a nice game against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl this year. He's a hell of a player, but is a sixth round rookie ready to step up and, and handle a big load right away. I'm not sure about that. So I don't have any concerns about Tony Pollard, um, but I do wonder about the depth of that position overall and whether the Cowboys have done enough uh, to get through a whole season. David, I agree with you. You're right about that. But, you know, there's going to be some help needed to go with Pollard to, to shore up that backfield. He did a fine job this this past year. We're here in Mobile, and the question, you know, of Corey, and I definitely want to know the impact this season. Jalen Tolbert, a guy right here out of town, played ball here, high school ball, played with the University of South Alabama. He was drafted by the Cowboys last year. Not very much playing time. What, what do you see as his future coming up this season for the Cowboys, what, how do you think McCarthy can work him into the offense? It's a big, big season for Jalen. And, uh, I mean, to be blunt, there was a lot of excitement about him last year. You know, the Cowboys considered drafting him in the second round. They wound up getting him in the third. Uh, they really liked his versatility and his big playability when he was at USA. Um and it just didn't translate. You know, Jalen has talked in the time since about, you know, maybe there was just, you know, more more for him to process than he could handle. They were asking him to do a lot of stuff, whether it's special teams, playing outside, playing inside. Uh, just maybe he wasn't ready for, for the amount of stuff you have to process in the NFL. Um, but, you know, in the NFL, if, if you're a top 100 draft pick, the expectation is that you're going to contribute on a regular basis right away. And Jalen just didn't do that last year. So uh, I don't think the Cowboys have given up on him. You know, they did trade for Brandon Cooks, but they didn't draft anybody new. Uh, I think he's still he's still one of the top four receivers on the depth chart. I think there's plenty of opportunity for him to get to training camp and carve out a role for himself. Uh, but this is a big year. Like, you know, what, if, if you disappoint as a rookie, it's, like a, it's disappointing, but it's not the end of the world. Um, but you're talking about being on a four-year deal. I mean, if you haven't produced at a high level by the time you get halfway through your rookie deal, uh, that's a bit of a problem, and, and that's when the, you know, the team probably starts to think about their options moving forward. So uh, I'm excited to see what he does because I definitely uh, – I was very intrigued by his skill set and, and his tape at, at South Alabama, uh, and, and I'm curious to see if he can uh, take a step forward in year two. The Cowboys standings right behind, two games behind the Philadelphia Eagles a year ago. If you had to look, of course, with the schedule, the official schedule being dropped tomorrow by the NFL, looking for that big-time Cowboys matchup. Of course, we know we'll definitely probably see them playing on Thanksgiving. Any other matchups like we see Week 17, Cincy and KC, do you see any matchups for the Cowboys outside of that Thanksgiving matchup that may be coming by the league? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's the Dallas Cowboys. They're they're going to be on national TV five or six times no matter what. It just goes with the territory. Um, obviously, both of those games are gonna, against the Eagles are going to be must-see TV. It really is a shame last year just by bad luck. You know, we never got to see a game between Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts. Dak was hurt for one of the games. Jalen was hurt for the other one. So we never got to see those two go against each other. So uh, hopefully those two guys are healthy. I think both of those games will be big primetime games, if I had to guess. Um, the Cowboys also play the Jets this year, which means we'll have a game against Aaron Rodgers. Um, they get to play. Uh, they play Carolina this year, so you'll have a, a matchup with the number one overall pick from Bryce Young. Um, 
I'm trying to think who else. I think they also play the L.A. Chargers uh, with Justin Herbert and uh, and Kellen Moore. Uh, their own offensive coordinator is now the offensive coordinator in L.A. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's going to be no shortage of big-time matchups, and I'm, I'm sure the Cowboys will be on national TV five or six times, like I said. 17-week season again, or the Cowboys 12-5 and five a year ago. Will the Cowboys improve on that record this year, or will they lose a couple of more that they're not supposed to and put themselves in a situation to where they're playing, they're being chased instead of leading the pack? Well, the irony is, I mean, the Cowboys won 12 games last year, and they still had to settle for a wild card spot because of how good Philadelphia is. So, you know, I think you could make the argument that, that they're still chasing the Eagles in terms of regaining control of the division. Uh, it's going to be interesting because, you know, for, for as many good teams as the Cowboys have had over the last 20 years, they've been really bad at sustaining success. You know, last year was the first time in 15 years that they went to the playoffs back-to-back years. It was the first time in 30 years that they won 12-plus games two years in a row. Uh, so history suggests that they're probably due for a little bit of a regression, if I had to guess. But at the same time, like I said, I mean, the NFC doesn't look like anything special right now. You know, most of the quarterback talent in the NFL is in the AFC where the Cowboys don't have to worry about it. Uh, you pretty much you've got Philly. Um, and San Francisco really as like the two big teams that are in your way as an NFC team. So I absolutely think the Cowboys can match what they did last year. I think that's going to be easier said than done. Um, but there's no reason why, why this can't be a 10, 11, 12 win team again this year. Well, we're looking forward to see if the Cowboys can get it done, and especially yeah. with the flavor that we have with Jalen Tolbert being one of Mobile and South Alabama's finest and I appreciate you jumping on the final drive with us today. And how can people follow your tremendous coverage of everything that is the Dallas Cowboys organization? I appreciate that. Um, you know, every, everything I write is on FoxSports.com. You can find me on Twitter at David Hellman underscore. Uh, I'm on TV occasionally at FS1 if you get it on your cable provider. Um, yeah, anything, anything Fox Sports related, you can probably – find me on there i appreciate it y'all you got it david hellman joining us this afternoon on the final drive want to thank him for his time and al whedon will be back with me here right after these commercial breaks Final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty joined by Al Whedon. And tomorrow, sitting in for vacation in Michael Brauner, will be the one and only Triple G, Nick Wiggins. We'll be interviewing John Harbaugh at 3.30 tomorrow afternoon, the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. He'll be talking about the team focus banquet to be held here Tuesday, May 16th at 6.30 at the Mobile Convention Center. Kevin Steele scheduled to join Lee Shervanian and Mark Heim and Triple G tomorrow morning. So he'll be one of the guest speakers for the Team Focus Banquet. So you want to go ahead and get your tickets there for that Team Focus Banquet to hear John Harbaugh. But you'll be able to hear him here on the final <laughs> right. drive. 
and a great day for you to have him on because the NFL schedule will be fully released tomorrow, Corey. So that, that's awesome. You can ask him, Coach, you know, you, you're going to play them and you're going to play them. And wh- what are you looking like? So you can get some one-on-one time for real tomorrow, Corey. Looking forward to that yeah. time that we're going to spend with John Harbaugh tomorrow at 3.30. And today in Birmingham, Alabama, Alabama's athletic director, Greg Byrne, speaks on the problems that have been facing the Alabama athletic program. And he said those things, the negative things get highlighted. And he feels that absolutely no baseball players are involved. And he has met with the entire athletic department and with the student athletes to reemphasize the fact about this gambling issue. And he just feels that the athletic program has done a great job overall. And there's just been a couple of loose spots and blemishes overall when you have over 650 student athletes and staff members total and you have three or four incidents within the entire athletic program. Greg Burns spoke on that today, Al. Uh, uh, gr- great reply, <coughs> great spin, <coughs> great uh, uh, <coughs> finally something. <coughs> finally you said something, Corey, because it has not been looking good for the Crimson Tide lately. I mean, let, let's just let's call it what it is, Corey. Uh, it's an unfortunate incident that, you know, a, a coach has been terminated, and, and if you want to call it, somewhat of a cloud put over the program, but this is where leaders have to step up and lead. And you've got to step up and you've, of course, he's going to say the right things right now because we're going to highlight all of this stuff. But unfortunately, those things did occur on his watch. Keep that in mind, Corey. Now, by no means am I calling for his job and calling for this, but it does make you scratch your head. This has been a challenging 2023 for the athletic department for the Crimson Tide. He says on the scandal... Essentially, it was a few bad apples yep. approach. Yep. And I respect the fact that he's exactly right about it is essentially a few bad apples. And he says, don't lose sight that you're talking about your department and university because we're having a really solid year in many ways. Yeah. There are things we have to get better at, and we're taking that seriously. But I'm also really proud of a lot of the accomplishments we've had and I think it's good to talk about these things. So many more positive things than negative things going on within the Alabama Athletic Department for sure. But at least the silence has been broken yes, yes, in yes. regards to what's been going on. Because Alabama's baseball team, credit to them, the, the week of the scandal, they find a way to Responded beat Vanderbilt. very well. And, and, and get a well. W. Yeah. And, and, and get the series win over a top five program, but you weren't allowed to talk to any of the interim coach. You weren't allowed to talk to players. And I just think that by him finally responding today, there were no hiccups, so to speak, because (laughs) Bo Jackson played a little golf today in Birmingham, Alabama at at the regions classic. And Bo Jackson he let everybody know that he's, for the last year, he's been struggling with hiccups. Now, there were no hiccups in his game at all what? when he was at Auburn or with the Raiders or that we've known of. But for the last year, wow. Bo Jackson has 
didn't even make the Frank Thomas statue so unveiling. For the statue unveiling. Was not there. Is and he able to ride the bike? Can he still ride the bike? He's, ri the he's riding the bike. And, and here's what's crazy. Man. Bo Jackson said he's been sitting at the doctor's office, people shining lights down his throat, probing them every way they can. He said they've tried scaring him. They've tried water. <laughs> they've tried smell the ass of a porcupine even oh, is man. a quote by Bo Jackson. Wow. He said it doesn't work. Well, I, that latter part, I, I, I've never heard of that Did he remedy. drink some water upside down? Did he try that one? I mean, I've heard that that could be a possible cure for hiccups. And, and he was at the region's traditional pro program today and, and played as a group. How but can you swing the club and you hiccup? I, I mean, I love playing golf, Corey, but I can't hiccup and swing at the same time, man. One of the greatest athletes wow. of all time cannot get rid of the hiccups. And he said his golf game, it sucks as usual. <laughs> But it's nothing to brag about. So at least he's honest about his golf maybe, uh, game. But the maybe hiccups. Maybe can, can throw some stuff in the app. Like, what do you do to solve the hiccups? I like, mean, yeah. that's a great question. I mean, <laughs> wow. what remedies do you have to solve the hiccups Gotta in the Bo. app? Help you, Bo. We want to help Bo Jackson. So in the app, if you can let us know what Bo Jackson can do to remedy the hiccups. Man. We'll make sure we send that to him because Bo Jackson, for over a year now, has struggled with the hiccups. So, no hiccups. And our next guest, Andy Kennedy, has made it to the NIT championship game this past year. Signed Barry Dunning Jr. He'll join us next year on the final drive. From Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Brunner. Do your job and play together. The final drive, live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome to hour number three of the final drive here with Corey LeBounty and Al Whedon on WNSP 105.5. Michael Bronner on vacation this week, and it's a pleasure and a privilege to be joined by the head basketball coach at UAB, Andy Kennedy, the head coach of the Blazers, took his team to the NIT championship game this year. That game normally held at Madison Square Garden, but it wouldn't have mattered if it was held in Barnhill Arena because when you make the NIT championship, that means you've done a tremendous job and your, your guys have responded to your coaching. And responding to Andy Kennedy was one Barry Dunning Jr. Last week, he had taken his official visit, liked what he saw on the campus and in the coaching staff of Andy Kennedy, and we welcome Coach Kennedy to the final drive. Coach, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Thank you. 
Coach, I mean, you're no stranger to the Mobile, Alabama area. In 94-95, you were down here as an assistant coach with the Jaguars. You went back home as an assistant to UAB. Then you found your way to Cincinnati, Ole Miss. And in your time at Ole Miss, you coached another Mobile, Alabama native in Nick Williams from LaFleur High School. But, Coach, your Blazers flat out got it done with a little jelly this season. Talk to us about that. Well, we had a heck of a run with Jelly. You know, he we had him for the last two years, and over those two years, you know, he was a, a, a player of the year in our league, a conference tournament MVP, an All-American, and we were able to win 56 games, as you said in the intro. We, we were able to win 27 games his junior year, which was a program high at UAB, and then we topped that this year by winning 29 came up a little short in the NIT championship game but Jelly was a pleasure to coach and he certainly left his mark on UAB basketball Barry Dunning Jr. one of those prospects that hopefully will make his mark didn't get an opportunity to really play for the Razorbacks last year but anytime you're a two-time player of the year in the state of Alabama a Gatorade player of the year and you have a chance to stay in state I know he will be a welcome addition to your roster yeah we're really excited to add Barry uh, to our program tremendous kid tremendous worker I think he's got uh, uh, an outstanding future and I'm looking forward to helping him reach all of his goals as you said his, his resume in high school speaks for itself. Uh, he, he went to a, a program in Arkansas, which was just loaded in his position, and it's very difficult you know, for a freshman to come in, especially in this transfer portal world where you're constantly bringing in older guys. Uh, and he got caught up in the numbers a little bit, but uh, we, we feel like he's going to come in and make an immediate impact on our roster next year. Coach, speaking of impact, you, you did very well in the portal, bringing in players and kind of basically restructuring what you have as you move forward. And speaking of moving, Coach Kennedy, uh, UAB moving to the American Athletic Conference. You guys leaving Conference USA. As you move to the new conference, I believe a couple teams are going in there this upcoming year. Are you looking to renew some rivalries or pick up some, some new competition as you go into this, this new era of competition in the AAC? Yeah, we're really excited about the move. You know, the AAC is a, is a league that was rated eighth in, in conferences in college basketball this year. There are 32 conferences. Conference USA was 10th, but the American Conference was eighth, you know, right on the right on the fringe of, of breaking into, you know, the Power Five section of college basketball. We're looking forward to being in, a, in what we believe will be a multi-bid league uh, gives us an opportunity uh, through the leadership of Michael Resco, the, the conference commissioner, to really showcase the quality of our program. Andy Kennedy, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk a little bit about Barry Dunning Jr., the impact that he's going to have on your program and moving forward. And look forward to continuing to speak with you as the season progresses in the offseason and especially with the new conference affiliation to see if you guys can make that NCAA tournament once again because that's the standard that I know you've set. That is the standard. And, you know, I, I think, again, we've won 78 games, the fifth most in college basketball there's only four programs 
and and Houston, Gonzaga, Kansas, and UCLA that have won more basketball games over the last three-year period than the UAB Blazers. We're looking to build on that uh, with local products such as Barry leading the way. Andy Kennedy, thank you so much, and we look forward to talking to you again soon on the final drive. Okay, thank you, guys. Al, Andy Kennedy is one of those guys that could just flat out shoot the rock. I know when he was playing against South Alabama, oh, yeah. when he came down here in the late 80s against peanut butter and jelly in the early 90s, he was a sharpshooter. They called him AK-47 I remember. because he could flat out shoot that basketball. Or I remember because that, that was during my time with the peanut butter and jelly days. As I said earlier at the top of the show, uh, I'm 88 graduate of the floor. This is my third. 35th year out of high school, so so I remember uh, AK-47 doing doing damage against South Alabama, but a big pickup getting Barry Dunning back in the home state. Uh, that's great, and a lot of people may not be aware. He just talked about it where they rank in wins in the past couple of years. But when I say he is stacked, he picked up like two or three of the highest JUCO players in the nation. So the Blazers are for real. And they're going to have a strong impact on the AAC. Memphis remains in the AAC. Cincinnati's leaving. Houston's leaving. And one other school, I can't recall. But Memphis is still there. So this past season, only Memphis and Houston got the NCAA bid. So UAB, they're going to come in high shooting, shooting the rock, man. Well, I tell you, we were talking moments ago about Bo Jackson having a <laughs> peculiar problem with hiccups for over a year. And, you know, one of the – apps uh listener says hold your breath till you almost pass out as oh, a remedy for a remedy. <laughs> for hiccups and i'm not what else i'm quite sure what else you can do when you do have the hiccups because i know you know holding the breath or, or drinking some water i haven't had anybody scared upside down, <laughs> upside down. That, upside that may down. work but as far as smelling the porcupine ass that uh, bo recommended I, I look bo's a country guy he's country strong but that type I mean, of remedy I have never heard of yeah. to cure the hiccups. I mean, I call myself country as a brown egg, but, Corey, I, I see armadillos out here. I see turtles. I don't really see porcupines here in Mobile County. I mean, they may be floating around, but I'm not going to go, you know, lift up the porcupine and then get – no, no, no. That's a hard pass for me, too, Al. I, I'm with you. I'm with you, Corey. I'm and and you. I tell you, somebody who can pass is, is Aaron Rodgers and Joe Namath, the great one. In the fur coat, he says, I've never seen anyone play better football than Aaron Rodgers. Now, I would have loved for Wait. Joe Namath to have made that statement prior to Aaron Rodgers becoming a Jet. Right, but right, right. now that he is a Jet and saying that, look, we know Tom Brady has his fair share of rings, but it's not about that. I've never seen anyone play better football then Aaron Rodgers is what Joe Namath said today. They're pulling out all the stops in New York. I, I'm excited with, with Rodgers going to the Jets, but just to watch the different things taking place. You know, he already gave him the blessing. If he wanted to wear 12, he could do it, but I think Rodgers is going to wear his eight, his college number. You know, night Joe's coming out saying this. So, you know, the whole spin machine is working in NYC for the Jets and for Rodgers. I mean, what what else can you expect? Who knows what's going to come out of Joe's mouth next because he's notorious for saying some things, Corey, but I'm with you. Come on, man. I mean, you know, lately, really? Eh, 
That, that's, that was a pretty interesting statement. And, yeah. and, pretty, and, and yeah. Joe Namath's one who makes predictions now. <laughs> He's one who's known for, for upholding his predictions. That is true. That is true. That so, is true. so this may be a prediction with Joe Namath knowing something. I'll be happy if Aaron Rodgers can take the Jets to the playoffs in that division. And we'll get an opportunity to see Aaron Rodgers in the Jets here very soon as the NFL will be dropping its schedule oh, yeah. on tomorrow. And the Saints made some noise today signing free agent Foster Moreau. He signs a three-year, $12 million contract as a tight end with the New Orleans Saints. So David Carr, the interesting thing about this sign, Al, okay. is that he's coming back from Hodgkin lymphoma. Wow. Foster Moreau is. So he played with Oakland slash Las Vegas with yeah. the Raiders organization. But coming back from something as serious Man. as Hodgkin lymphoma and getting that guaranteed three-year, $12 million contract, $8 million guaranteed, the Saints must he must have cleared every medical exam Had that it could possibly have been done. And, and look at where he came from, Oakland slash Las Vegas, who was the quarterback there, who is now the quarterback for the Saints, the familiarity, Derek Carr. So look at how things play. You know, you want to have guys surrounding you that you're familiar with. I think there was some 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 words out the past couple of days about, you know, uh this guy's coming here, we want to get him signed. And, you know, Guys want to play with guys they're familiar with. So when you think about it, kind of not a surprise there for them to reach out to grab a Raider to get familiar. So that's one less receiver Carr would have to get familiar with over at the Saints there. Well, you just hope that New Orleans needed a tight end as they had traded Adam Trotman. And, and with them filling that need, again, you just wish that his health is up to par yeah, and that yeah. they'll go ahead and get their money's worth with the Saints signing a tight end and Foster Moreau. But offensively, you want the Saints to find a way to get better because you don't know what Alvin Kamar is, how long he's going to be suspended, what his legal ramifications right, are going right, to be. Right. So that part is is pretty interesting to me for the Saints. And I just – David Carr signing to the Saints, of course – Mr. Crab Legs himself, Jameis Winston, <laughs> is going to continue to be that backup. Right, right. But in New Orleans, is David Carr that answer to you, Al? We're going to find out. Uh, I like I like Carr's game. I like it was it was a disappointment last year that what the Raiders went through. I was really enjoying their run the year before. It was kind of like this past year. They it's coming up short. They just couldn't get the job done. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, he has the experience, just just hasn't been able to meld and get things going. Uh, had a great tight end out there at, with the Raiders. Waller, love that guy. I remember watching them on uh, what's that on HBO uh, where they cover the teams at the beginning of the hard season. Knocks. Hard knocks. Love watching them doing hard knocks. But uh, could Carr be the answer? We're gonna find out. He's gonna need to get the ball to some folks out there uh, over in New Orleans. But you know, he's coming from where, if you want to call it. All the quarterbacks, every all the eyes on the AFC. He's coming to the weaker side on the NFC, especially in the, in the NFC South. So opportunity is there for him to make some moves. Well, again, a shocking sign to me by the Saints, and if that's how they address the need, then, then so be it. So it's going to be interesting to see how he'll 
play within this system yeah. with Carr, but the Saints think highly of him with the amount of money that he has been offered, and we'll see if it results in the Saints being able to do better within their own division. We'll wrap up here on the final drive and make room for the batter's box. What? Joey Warner. Time to go, Carl. Hey, look, we oh. only have another seven or eight minutes before the batter's box steps in. Joey Warner is going to step into Man. the batter's box and hit a home run. Okay. And you can always hear him on WNSP now on the podcast that he has is Wednesdays, our new format here on WNSP. Double team, throw it deep. Yeah. With Michael Bronner having an opportunity to showcase his NFL knowledge, Joey Warner will be in here momentarily, but we'll put the finishing touches on the final drive next. Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile. Back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Can't thank my man Al Whedon enough for joining me this afternoon. Of course, Al being my broadcast partner on Friday nights on the MCPSS television network covering high school football. And that's always a lot of fun because we get a chance to see some of the best yep. and most productive athletes that you see on Saturdays. Right. We get a chance to see them before. And some of them you just know are going to be superstar status. And over yeah. the last seven years, we've had a wonderful opportunity to cover Man, some of those student we, athletes. We're going into eight years, Carl? Year number eight. We're going to start here in August, and it'll be here before wow. you know it. High School Media Day will will be hitting us here in a couple of months. That's true. That's true. That's true. It'll be here. Before, high School Football will be here. And as a matter of fact, if you want your taste Within of high hours. school. Yes. Uh, high School Football, Thursday. Tomorrow, you'll have the Baker Hornets. You can go out to Baker High School, watch them play Ocean Springs. And, yep. of course, I'm gonna check that out, man. that'll be a great game. Williamson, inner squad at Ladd Stadium on Thursday. So, on Saturday, we had the unveiling of a couple of stadiums today. LaFleur had the ribbon-cutting ceremony along with Viger. And Davidson will have theirs in the morning. BC Reigns will be held at a later date. But the unveiling of those stadiums, they're beautiful. Look forward to getting out on Thursday and Friday nights. And, Corey, Saturday, you'll get to be the first PA announcer at the Snake Pit in Tomanville for the floor and blunt for the spring game. Can't I, wait. How, how you feeling, Corey? Man, I'm excited being a former Rattler to yeah. debut that beautiful facility and to, to know that my voice will be the first one heard over the PA system in the Snake Pit in Tomanville. It means a lot to me personally. Yeah. Because during the regular season, of course, we're doing the game. So to do the spring game there, I've been looking forward to it for a long time. And if you get a chance to go out and check out these high school stadiums that have been built, they're quite nice. Uh, May 20th, I believe that's what, what the old people say. That's Saturday week. Viger will host uh, McGill, McGill Tula. So that's coming so to Coach uh, Marcus Cook and the Wolves. Now that one I'm going to uh, in two Saturdays from this week. And again, Viger cut the ribbon today. Yep, sure and again, a lot going on in collegiate and high school football of course we covered the fact bob huggins suspended for three games and not fired by west virginia we mentioned a little bit about the nfl schedule it'll officially drop tomorrow and tomorrow at 3 30 
Nick Wiggins will be sitting in with me as we interview John Harbaugh, the head football coach of the Baltimore Ravens. That will be tomorrow at 3.30 on the final drive as Triple G, Nick Wiggins, will be sitting in with me as, of course, John Harbaugh coming in next week for the Team Focus Banquet along with Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide. That Team Focus Banquet, May 16th at 6.30. So make sure you snatch up your tickets for that. Tonight, the Lakers try to close out Golden State and the Heat try to close out the Knicks. So you got NBA basketball and this is a little side note to basketball. Dennis Rodman's Uh-oh. son okay. joining LeBron James' son, Bronny James. To USC. To USC. Really? So, okay. Of course, DJ Rodman, he played at Washington State, averaged 10 points a game and six rebounds. He'll be transferring out to USC. So you'll have oh. Rodman and James possibly in the building Two goats ended up one a rebounding goat, the other a scoring goat. Right, right. All the stars in the house. Uh, it'll be man. You wouldn't expect anything else out of Southern California. There, I just thought that that was a little interesting side note That's, for the that NBA. That is quite interesting side note, Corey. Koshyshevsky getting back in to the NBA for the first time ever, becoming the new special advisor to basketball operations. He can handle it in the NBA. He That's what happens that. during retirement. Yeah, so. of course. It's, 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 you know, come on. And no question about he's a, that. Like, almost like a consultant. He, that's exactly what he's going to get paid to consult the NFL. Of course, we mentioned Foster Moreau, tight end, signing with the Saints. And Joe Namath with his statements about Aaron Rodgers being better than anyone playing football that he's ever seen. So that kind of wraps up our show today. want to thank our guest, Roman Harper, yeah, the Alabama Sports Hall of Famer coming up. Of course, former Crimson Tide player, Saints, Super Bowl champion, and SEC analyst joined us, along with Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers. And, of course, we also just had Andy Kennedy joining us this afternoon and also David Hellman. He works for Fox Sports out of Dallas, joined us as well. Want to make room for the batter's box coming in to the booth. 5.30, of course, the batter's box. You don't want to miss Joey Warner, my main man. But want to thank Al Whedon for sitting in with me this thank afternoon. Thank you, man. I totally enjoyed it, my brother, and enjoy listening to you every day right here on the Final Drive. 3.30 tomorrow, John Harbaugh will be joining Nick Wiggins, and I don't want to miss that interview. Batter's box coming up next. Hi, this is Juan Sierra, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP.